Hey everyone, welcome back to The Well Podcast. My name is Amber and we are back at it again. Real conversations, real lives, and real stories. We honestly do not know what story we will hear when we ask friends to talk to us. We do usually know something about them, just not necessarily what has been a struggle for them. You'd be surprised what we are each hiding until you sit down and you ask. Today's story is from a friend, Sarah. She just moved here about three months ago. So we kind of know her, but we just met. She's been hired as a minister in our church staff, so we weren't exactly worried about what she might tell us, but I'll tell you, I was just surprised. It's not the story I was expecting to hear. How am I still making assumptions and putting expectations on people that I've never even talked to? Sarah is a good one, and when you hear her and her infectious cheeriness, you're going to be tempted to stalk her on social media, um, because that's exactly what I did. Truth. Sarah is interviewed by her friend and now neighbor, Erin. Hey, my name's Erin. Some of us have met before and some of us haven't. We just want to welcome you here. This is my friend, Sarah. Actually, my neighbor, Sarah. She just moved in. um, Like right next door. Right next door. Our houses are so close that our children could talk to each other through their upstairs windows. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, her son's bedroom faces my daughter's so one of the funny things is Todd says every time he goes in there he's like shut this I don't want to be the creepy guy in the window yeah yeah her her fourth fourth grader daughter and my three-year-old son can yeah they can play telephone some days it's very cute yeah yeah but um I never imagined what a blessing it would be I didn't know this woman six months ago and already what a blessing it is to have her just in my life, but I get to have her as my next door neighbor. And another one of my neighbors is here tonight too. And it's, it's a great street. You should all live there. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah, um, tell us a little bit about where you came here from. So I am the minister of hospitality. That's a great Isn't that fun? <laughs> so you're the party planner? I am the party planner. Yeah. And I just had the best time. Yeah. Yeah. She's the most hospitable. Yeah. Um, But I also have the privilege of being able to help with women's ministry. I'm the staff liaison, so to speak, in women's ministry. So um, because everything has just been like drinking from a fire hydrant, I haven't had a really uh, a lot of time to spend soaking up what women's ministry looks like here at Shandon. But I'm hoping to um, really dig into that. This is a good orientation. Just we'll throw you in front of all these people. I know, right? You can tell your your innermost thoughts and feelings. Yeah, Yeah. here we go. Let's roll. (laughs) Um, So that's that's quite an accent you have. Yeah. I think we've all heard it. Where where do you get that? stereo. I'm sure it's even more pleasant. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, But I'm sure people ask you all the time, where are you from? Yeah. Originally. Originally. Like I was born. I was, uh, yeah, I'm from Southwest Virginia, Grundy, Virginia. I don't expect you to know where that is. Um, It is in the tip of Virginia. Like when you go an hour this way, you're in Kentucky, and you go an hour this way, you're in West Virginia. Lots of uh, coal mining. Coal Coal mining. mining. Okay. Are you a coal miner's daughter like the country song? Okay. I am a coal miner's daughter, um, and but I, I I don't I'm not from Butcher Holler, but 
I don't have any relatives yeah. married to each other either. That's good. So that's, good. that's good. That I know yeah. of. Yeah. That I know. Yeah. Y'all, I think I might start talking like Sarah before the yeah. thing's over. So if, if you catch me doing that, just tell me yeah. to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so your your whole family is in this small town yes. in Virginia? Yes, my whole family. Um yeah, in just recent years, I had one cousin go to Iowa, and everybody else, like I, like my dad is one of ten kids, my mom is one of five, mm. uh, big family, yeah. they all live in this hamlet in the hills of Virginia, and um, nobody leaves, like, it's like, you know, you just don't leave, but I left, and I have one cousin, but everybody else is there within an hour radius of where my grandparents kind of, you know, put up stakes. So did you grow up in the church? Was there a church there in this little town? Yes, Um, there were churches there, but... um, Obviously, but um, it's it's really interesting. I grew up in a very fundamental Baptist environment, very legalistic. Um, It's called Old Regular Baptist. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody is familiar. Um, A lot of people are like, what? What is that? Google. Yeah, yeah, Google it. There's no snakes. I will say that. (laughs) But... But women, like to just give you an idea, when I mean fundamental, I mean like women don't cut their hair, they wear the dresses all the time, no makeup, um, you know, it was pretty religious. Yeah. Um, and my, and be, because of the environment um, and the area, it was kind of founded like on the circuit. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, like preachers couldn't get around like they can now. So it was on a circuit. So they would have meeting times once a month. So they would go to every church in a region, the preachers would, in once a month. So my grandfather and some of the community built a church, and some of the old regular Baptist preachers would come to that church once a month. So you didn't have a regular like full-time preacher at this church? No, okay. no, no. These are, these, no. Okay. <laughs> That's very different. But it was, it was the, no, it was just really different. Uh-huh. And they were um, really great people. Like, I, I want you to know that there are people that know and have an intimate relationship with Jesus that came from mm-hmm. that church and from that denomination um but it's just really different like it was it would be like anybody could say I feel like I've been called to preach and they're like all right (laughs) (laughs) go preach we needed one this week that'll that'll do yeah yeah that's very timely like we yeah okay so and you're like this huge family that you grew up in is all right there they're all right there how many other people are in this Church. Well, when I was young, it was it was a hundred people, hundred and fifty maybe on a Sunday. Okay. Um, and it was it was really beautiful because the traditions in the church were really beautiful. Some some were very hard 
to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, for instance, my grandparents had the entire church home with them on a Sunday after church and fed them. So like, that's great memories. Mm-hmm. Like I've still got, I've got the dining room table that my mama and papa had that fed hundreds and hundreds of people. Like I will never, I cherish that so much. <laughs> That's beautiful, but it was just um, very, very strict. As beautiful as it could be is as harsh as it was as well. So what was it like as a child living in that and living with a family that was raising you in, yeah. a, in a church like that with so many rules? And Yeah. Well, my, um, my dad, I think, struggled a lot because he did not go to the church, uh, except unless it was meeting time. He would go once a month, and he would be, but it was sort of like a family expectation. Like, my papa would be like, you coming to church tomorrow? Like, he'd call Saturday night, you coming to church? Yeah, we're coming. Um, but my mom was a member early on, and my dad sort of, like, rebelled against, I mean, we're talking, like, there were, like, lengthy discussions that was sometimes argumentative over the length of a woman's hair, mm. Um, or sister such and such was seen out with makeup on. We're going to have to go talk to her. Like, those are the kind of things that I think that my dad early on thought, I don't know, this is not right. So he just didn't go. But my mom did go. And it was an expectation that the family went. Mm -hmm. Um, So my mom went, and she and my dad experienced a really hard time. This was when I was first born and and, really young. Mm -hmm. But she was a member of the church, and my dad, uh, from what I've been told, was pretty rebellious. And so um, there was trouble. What kind of trouble? Uh, So my mom ended up having an affair with one of the ministers in the church. And she was asked to leave the church. She was what they called turned out. It was church discipline, um, and I, to this day, do not know if the man stopped preaching. Uh, my dad was a really... And you were, you were a baby. I was three. Okay. Yeah, when all this happened. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was hard because the church was not just... Um, the church, it was our family. So yeah. the family is saying, you need, you got to go. You, you, can't, you can't be a part of the body anymore because you did this. There was no, let us walk you through this. Let's restore. There was no restoration. It was, you can't be a part of this anymore. That's a hard rule. It was a hard rule. And so um, because of how it just everything that went down, you know, my mom literally, and as I reflect on it, I feel like she was kind of like the scarlet letter, like she wore the scarlet letter. My parents are still together, just to jump ahead. <laughs> they're good. <laughs> uh, they're still together. However, it was a lot of painful years because uh, there was no, they didn't talk, there was no counseling, there was no anything. So it created a lot of confusion for me, number one, uh, a lot of difficult years in their marriage where um, forgiveness wasn't extended for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and she was cut off from her community. She was, yeah, she was cut off from her community. Not only that, but her mother 
um, who knew about this relationship with the minister um, was asked to leave the church too. Mm. So it was kind of like, here's dad's side of the family who's the one saying, oh, you're not, you're not good enough. Y'all just, you're going to have to leave us. And, and, and my mom's side of the family. So, I mean, it was the whole family friction thing. And I grew up being told, you know, you're the reason why we stayed together. If oh. it weren't for you, we probably wouldn't have stayed together. Your whole life you heard that? Yeah. Which was, you know, it's, it was tough because what does that do? That sets up a f- performance mentality of, oh, man, I got to keep this crew going. Mm-hmm. I got to... Now, my brother did not give a kitty. <laughs> <laughs> He's younger than you? He's younger. And he was protected from all of this. Like, you know, he's the boy. He was protected. But I was included on all of it. Was the reason they were together. You know, and I, can, I see now that the Lord's hand in all of it. Uh-huh. But it, it, it was difficult. It was really hard, you know, carrying that weight as a child. Yeah. Were you also kicked out of the church? No, I was not... Um, at that time, no, well, we just didn't go. Like yeah. after mom, we, like we just didn't have, we would go to mom and papa's for dinner mm-hmm. or we would be parts of things like that, but we didn't. You would see people that went to church, but you didn't. Yeah. Go. yeah. And I, and I do recall really wanting to go, even though I didn't really understand how difficult the legalistic, God bless you, the legalistic, uh, <laughs> environment was and how difficult and, and the long standing effects I didn't know what that would be but I, I just remember and now I know it was the call of the Lord in my life mm. that I wanted to be in that community I, I yearned for that community I can remember seeing cousins go and wanting to be with them um, and so it it took several years to to find that where the Lord had yeah. You know, to, for the Lord to just work it all out. Mm-hmm. But you were on a, you said you were on a performance. Yeah. Wheel. Oh, yeah. You were oh, yeah. trying to make yeah. your parents, I guess, think that you were worth it. Like, worth, yeah. worth staying together. Yeah. Or, so yeah. what did you do? What were you, what were you doing? Well, it, you know, you can't keep it up, right? Eventually, you're going to mess up. But when you're little, like, I'm talking like, like seven, eight, nine years old, um, the traditions of that church seeped into our family life. Like when women were encouraged not to cut their hair. When I cut my hair, I remember one time my mom had my hair trimmed and she thought it was so pretty because my hair was like really long and a hot mess. But she had it like all fixed up and she thought it was so pretty and, like, my dad really just was angry. He was angry because my mom mm. had cut my hair. So I remember, like, sitting at his feet in his recliner and just asking him to talk to me. Oh. Like, are, you know, Daddy, please don't be mad. And he just, it was like stone cold face. Like, he did not acknowledge me. And it was probably two weeks before he talked to me again. Oh, Sarah. Oh. And clearly, I mean... I don't have very many memories from being that age, but that was, that's a big I mean, it just left an impression of like, I mean, I have kids now. And then I'm like, how, like now I know as an adult how broken and hurt he must have been. Yeah. 
to not to to just behave in that way mm-hmm. um, because he wasn't really attending the church, but no. he it's almost like a yeah like a heritage that yeah, he exactly these rules like a yeah. race or something like yeah he, yeah. So he didn't go, but he wouldn't go anywhere else, and it was just a real attention there in the family, and, and, you know, but my mom, like, always pursued a relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. and she would take us, when I got into middle school, she did find a Baptist church that we, we did go to, and so it wasn't, like, old regular, but she was finally like, <laughs> it's okay, I'm going anyway, we're going to do this. And so um, we started going, and my brother, my dad never went with us. It was just me and my mom and my brother. And um, someone, another lady in the church was found out to, that she was having a relationship outside of marriage. A lot of sex in the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. A lot of it going on, apparently. But... Um, <laughs> But my mom, because of her experience, was like, well, because the the church leadership was like, we want to help this couple restore their marriage. Mm -hmm. We want to walk with them. We don't want to walk through this with them. My mom did not understand that. What she understood was, I was like banned. So I I, I can't stay here because you're not... Like, what about me? Yeah. Like, now, in retrospect, I'm thinking, she has to be thinking, like, well, what about me? That's not how I was treated. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like, voted off the island. So she, we stopped going. Mm-hmm. Like, we left. We did not go because she, it was, it was such a hurt and painful thing for her. We stopped going to church, and I'm, we're talking middle school years. And so it was during that time that I did make a profession of faith. Okay. And it was on a... Um, like a youth thing. But, you know, I know that the Lord was, like, calling me from an early age. Um, And I made a profession of faith, but I remember going home and telling my parents, like, you know, I, I, you know, I I accepted Jesus. And my dad's response was, see, I knew something like this would happen. (laughs) Because it was, they've talked you into it. They, they've encouraged you to make a decision you're not ready to make. Okay. Um, because that's what he was taught. Yeah. I can't tell you how many conversations I overheard with some of the, uh, the people from my grandparents' church saying, you know, these, these new churches, they talk these young people into stuff that they don't understand what they're getting into. And it, it really came from a place of protection, I really think. Um, but it was just, it happens like anything else. When sin gets involved and when humans get involved, that we just mess it up, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so when the, my youth pastor came and like followed up, I said to him, I really feel like when it's time for me to be baptized, I'll come to you. You won't have to come to me. And so, I, and I look at my dad like, <laughs> You're looking for that yeah, approval. yeah. And I think, gosh, now I think, what would life be like now if I had just taken that, mm-hmm. that if I had just surrendered then? What would life be like? But what little girl doesn't want her dad's 
yeah. approval. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm gonna like as I'm sitting up here, I'm getting paranoid because I'm like I feel like I'm painting my dad to be this like demon. Like, you know, we're broken. You know, he is broken. My mom is broken. Like we're all like we just we need Jesus so much. We all do. Mm-hmm. And we have a great relationship now. I mean, we don't talk about all that, but we, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So was there a point when being a good girl and performing was not your, your normal yeah. activity? Yes. Um, yeah, I think I just got bitter about having to keep up the performance. Mm-hmm. You know, when... Because um, it wasn't, I mean, nobody was giving you the thumbs up. I mean, you weren't, nobody was affirming you. No. And there were expectations, and it was messages like, if you don't do this, A, B, or C, then A, B, and C will not happen. Like, if you're not a good girl, no man's going to want you. Hmm. If, if you mess around with your boyfriend, you're going to be, they're going to call you names, and you're going to be a slut, and, you're, and you're, uh, they're going to talk about you. And it was all like, do follow the rules. Be a good girl. Follow the rules. rules it was not a relationship. Like it was. It, I mean, look at Pharisees. Like we ha- we know what legalistic rules do to people. So what people will you? chance it. They'll break the rules. Like I'll take my chances. Like yeah. you know. So yeah. I mean, I did. I did like rebel, but my I was very careful not to. Um, I tried very hard not to let my parents see the rebellion, <laughs> and you know, lie and do things I'm not proud of with boys, and um, and it was it was painful, and it was it was. I was motivated from a place of pain to be accepted, yeah. to be loved, to be, um, you know, just to, mm-hmm. to seek the... Because that's what happens with young girls. If the father... I mean, women, if you are married to a husband, like, pray for your husband so hard because our fathers... I mean, it is the image. It's our first image of our Heavenly Father. Yeah. And, and I did not know that. I didn't have that until I, had, until I really became painfully aware of my depravity and the, the sovereignty of the Father and the, and the complete and fullness love mm-hmm. of the Father. I felt like it was on me to go out and get it. Yeah. And... And, and, and the world doesn't have it for us. No, but... But it promises that. You needed it somewhere. That's right. And yes. you didn't have anybody telling you the truth about who God is. That's right. And what grace and forgiveness are. And you weren't receiving that from your father, your yeah. earthly father. That's right. So you went looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, like, there were plenty of painful moments, I'm sure. Plenty of painful moments. And you're in high school at this point? I'm in high school, on to college. Um, And, of course, the older you get, the riskier, more Mm -hmm. risk you take. And 
the risks become, and then as soon as you get away with something, then you push a little bit more, like, oh, that was, you know, mm -hmm. nothing bad happened, and, you know, really, like, yeah, I had to live in that depravity for a little bit before the Lord just plucked me out. Mm -hmm. Praise the Jesus. Praise the Lord. So how did he pluck you out? So um, there was this, a lot of ways. Like, he, I mean, we know that, you know, the scripture teaches us that the Lord, he knows the plans he has for us. And, and I do believe that the Lord had his hand on me during that whole time. He never, he never wasted one of those bad choices because I fell deeper in love with him in retrospect. Yeah. But um, at the time, one of the pivotal times of my life was um, when a woman who was older than me, we, we did a play together. We did Honky Tonk Angels. <laughs> <laughs> and so back up a minute. You, you went to Virginia Tech, and I only know that because of the, the stuff hanging in your house and on your car. Yes, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> um, so y'all are Hokies. And then you... We are Hokies. Thank Isn't you. Isn't that what they are? Okay. Yes. We're Hokies. Go, 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 So you... And then you, you finished school, and, or you were still in school, and you were in... You were, I know that you're into theater. I am. Um, so it, I was in... Finished school, um, moved back to um, about an hour from my mom and dad, and... Um, got into the local community theater, which was just too much fun. And, I mean, you get a bunch of thespians together. Forget it. It's a blast. Um, but I was in a show, and that's where I met my sweet friend, Sean, who um, I would say was the first person who pursued me regularly and loved me unconditionally. Oh. And uh, and that's, I don't want to, anyone to misunderstand that. I know now my parents loved me unconditionally. They did not know how to express that. Mm -hmm. This woman gave me a complete picture of acceptance and love. Like there were times that I thought, well, this will really get her goat. Like, I would tell her stuff and think, oh, she's not going to. And she would just say, it's okay. And I would confess sin and not even realize I was confessing sin. And she was a believer. She was a believer. She came from a long line of uh, believers. And she was just real. You know, it's like she'd had a mess in her life and she walked into my mess, and she shared her mess, and she accepted my mess, and she just pursued me time and time again. To the point, at one point, I was like, this is weird. Like, okay, come on. But now I'm so, so grateful, and I don't know that I would understand grace today without her. And it's so important, y'all, that we come together and minister to each other. Mm -hmm. It's so important that we pursue each other. Um, and God had a plan. I didn't even know what his plan was. But this was, you know, 
how many years ago? 18 years ago. I didn't even know what God had in store at that time. And he had a plan, mm-hmm. and, he, and it was just beautiful. So when, do you, when can you say that you surrendered your life to Christ? Yeah, I, that was a really beautiful season, uh, getting to know her, getting to see what a relationship with Jesus was like, not what life in a church or in a religious affiliation looked like. She really lived out her faith in a relationship with Jesus. And so that was a really sweet season of seeing that. Um, and then it was during that season that I met Rick, my, my man. <laughs> and he uh, is, and the Lord has been so sweet to us because Rick is, was a believer, but we were so equally yoked. Like we were still living like, like we were believers, but we're still like, you know, having too much fun. And so um, we were just, the Lord just knew what he was doing. That's all I can say. So we met, I met Rick, we got married and Sean sang at our wedding and like, it was just, it was so beautiful, but it was long after that, like the Lord is working on my heart. You know, it just, it just takes time sometimes. Sometimes it's just like that, but sometimes it, it's a it's season. It takes a season for you to surrender it all. And especially when you're kind of behind the eight ball anyway with understanding mm-hmm. what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. So um, Rick and I, we started going to church. I mean, the Lord just brought us along together and it was so beautiful. But then I got, I was pregnant with Will and Will, like, I just remember, <laughs> this is, way too much information. <laughs> but I remember sitting on the pot <laughs> and like the Lord ministered to me there. <laughs> of course because, he Of course he does. Because I'm sitting there and I'm, it's after church and I'm like, this is what, I've seen what unconditional and, and love looks like. This is what it feels like. I am pregnant with this child that I already would lay down my life for. So this is how my father must love me. And it took me experiencing that Mm -hmm. to really say, okay, Lord, I'm yours. Yeah. And I was baptized while I was pregnant with Will. And... um, (laughs) It was it was just a really sweet season. He probably will. I hope will understand one day how the Lord used him uh, to for me. You just have to tell him. I will tell him. Yeah. But he the uh, it was it's so sweet, and I'm so grateful that the Lord gave me that gift of uh, using my child Mm -hmm. to give me a perfect picture of love. Yeah. Um. So you were in a church. Yeah. What was that like um, with your growing up church background and then being in probably a less, I guess, a less legalistic church? Yeah. Um, did you have bad feelings about church or religion or how did you learn to separate? Yeah. Uh, I never was, it's a gift of the Lord. I was never bitter. Hmm. I was like, I'm home. Like, I'm home. Like, I'm with my people. Mm-hmm. You know, I dived in 
from the get-go, but it wasn't out of a place of... Uh, when you're serving the Lord because you feel like you have to in order to earn His approval or His grace is very different than, wow, I get to serve the King of Kings. Mm -hmm. He has invited me in to His mission. Not for my sake, but for His glory. Mm -hmm. I, I, am, I have the privilege of serving Him. So when you're motivated from a place of love opposed to fear, man, it makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I hit the ground running. I couldn't do enough for the Lord. I probably really annoyed a lot of people, but, <laughs> but it was a small church too compared to this. I mean, we're talking like three or 400 people. Uh, so the workers were really were few <laughs> there. So... Um, but it was, just a, it was just a great feeling, and I've learned since then to really wish that my, all of my family could experience that, that, you know, it's, it's that freedom is here. It's, it's, it's Jesus, and, um, and when you really understand that place of grace, mm -hmm. you know, I've been, am I, can I just dig you in go. here? Yeah. Uh, just something that the Lord just really put on my heart, just praying through this, um, this, um, what is this? <laughs> Opportunity? <Testimony>. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, I was, the Isaiah 61, chapter 61, I just, it just speaks to me so much because like I have a lot of ashes, right? I mean, I have a lot of junk. I'm betting that a lot of us do. And, but in Christ, Isaiah has foretold what we can have in Christ. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That, I mean, these are promises that we can claim. We don't have to have permission to claim them. We are, if we're in Jesus, they're ours. He can redefine who we are. In fact, we, that's what you want. Yeah. You want to be redefined. I had a, I'm just getting wild. Is that Go. okay? Okay. <laughs> I had, a, I had a counselor one time, like counseling is really great, by the way. And I had a counselor one time <laughs> tell me, like, you define, you, earliest on, you, you define, you take on your mother's identity yeah. as a child. You take on your mother's identity. And, like, my mother lived with a cloak of shame. And I, because of my own sin, my own choices, I can't blame it on, yeah, I was brought up in an environment, but I can't blame my sinful choices on anybody else but me. Mm -hmm. But because of the shame begets shame, it just was there. So it took the Lord 
to, to minister to me to say, I'm taking your ashes and I'm going to give you a crown of beauty because I had to dump that identity of shame and accept the identity that the Lord has provided to each of us through Jesus Christ. Y'all can amen it. Amen. Yay. I well, like it's, amen. Amen. <laughs> it's just something it's so like we we have to claim it. We can't wait for somebody to give us permission to claim it. You can't wait for somebody to say you're good enough for this. No. If you're getting those thoughts of like I'm not worthy. I've done this. I've done that. My mama said this. No, those are lies from the mm-hmm. pit of hell. This is the truth. And you have to, we have to know. Mm-hmm. We have to read. We have to believe what God says about who we are and re-identify ourselves in him opposed to all the lies that the enemy really wants you to believe. Mm-hmm. And I think we have responsibilities, like you said, like your friend Sean did for you, to speak truth to each other. Absolutely. To help our sisters not fall victim yes. to believing those lies. Yes. That, I mean, we all have to battle the lies. Yes. I'm sure daily. Absolutely. So what is, what is the truth? We've heard some of your lies that you've believed about yourself. Mm-hmm. But what, what is the truth about who you are? Who does Jesus say you are? Well, he says, I'm forgiven. Yes. And, and I'm free, and I'm loved, and I'm accepted. Jesus said that he, um, the thief comes to, what is that, kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life abundantly. Mm-hmm. And we have to rest in that. What's that look like for you, the abundant life? Oh, that's a good question. Because so many times, you know, I think that we, we live in a place now where our first idea of abundance is really not what abundance is right. supposed to mean. Right. Abundance, to me, now is, you know, I have a relationship with the Lord. Like, I can enter into the throne room mm-hmm. anytime. He... In fact, my, my prayer is constantly empty me of me and fill me with you, Lord. Mm-hmm. So that is abundance and it's freedom. And, and I know that's like the great churchy answer, but it's true. But also abundance means that for me is I really believe that the Lord is doing generational change in our family like with Rick, I mean, I know we're not supposed to talk about our men. But I mean, no, I guess we what? can talk about can your we? man. Well, it's still the girl thing. You know? <laughs> He's a but good Rick one. grew up in a very similar situation so with the legalism, and and uh, you know, he had a very similar reaction. I mean, it's crazy how many similarities we have in that respect, mm-hmm. but. Because of the Lord's faithfulness and his grace, he has freed me and Rick. And so therefore our kids, like our kids are believers. Like they're like, do you know, I mean, that's big. I mean, the Lord promises that he'll make change in our children's children. And to know that my kids already understand 
that they have a heavenly father who, no matter how bad we can screw them up, that they can go to their heavenly father and have a real redeeming relationship. I mean, that is, that is so abundant. It makes my heart want to just burst. Because what I, my prayer is that the Lord will use them in mighty ways to go and proclaim him and proclaim. Now, I don't know what he'll do with them, but it's so exciting for me to think maybe they'll have, maybe they'll have a little bit of an easier time to walk in faith. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my prayer mm-hmm. for them. And your children experienced grace at a much younger age than you ever yes. did from their Absolutely. parents. Absolutely. So, um, that's a huge change yeah. that you've made. Well, I mean, the Lord has he's done it, and he's done it in us through, uh, I mean, we're still by far, we got a long ways to go as far as parenting goes. But um, we love Paul Tripp, and we study Paul Tripp a lot <laughs> for parenting. Um, so I recommend that. But Paul Tripp's got a great analogy with, he says, you know, a bowl of water is, you know, you can splash it. You can, you know, you know do whatever you want to do with the bowl of water. What's coming out is still water. It's not milk. It's not juice. It's water if it's a bowl of water. Mm-hmm. So inside of us, what we give is what's inside of us. So if I'm given life to my children, it's only because the Holy Spirit has given it to me. Amen. Yeah. And, I, and I have that responsibility to renew my mind, to, which I don't do well all the time, <laughs> clearly. But, um, you know, and like you said, coming together in a community you know, we have, to, we have to do that. We have to be intentional about seeking out those relationships to keep ourselves accountable and to, um, you know, to keep seeking the truth. So whatever's inside of us, we can give back to our kids. We can give to our friends. We want that to be from the Holy Spirit and, and from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, your family, your mom and your grandmother were mistreated and judged at church, by a church, and as the hospitality minister at a church, mm-hmm. what, I mean, what, I, I want to know what you would say to somebody that, that came and felt like they weren't trusting of a church, or they had once been mistreated by a church, and mm. how do you, how do you want to do that? What's your, um, what's yeah. your prayer, and what's your heart for your ministry? Mm. Well, I uh, hope that we can knock down any barriers that would prevent anyone from coming to experience the grace of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody's wearing. I don't care if they're tattooed from head to toe. I do not care. They are a child of God and they should feel welcome here. It is, it, it is our duty. If you're a believer of Christ, you are on mission. You're already, you're already on the team. Mm-hmm. So our job now is to recruit, so to speak. <laughs> is that a bad analogy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need to look at Stacy. Is that good? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, my point is, 
it's we, I mean, it's a commandment for elders to be hospitable. Like we have to get, we have to knock down any kind of um, perceived ideas of what church is supposed to look like or sound like or smell like or whatever. Like we, we just have to welcome each and every person that comes through these doors. And, and I'll tell you the other thing since we're on the topic. We have to get outside of these doors to really be the church. We have to get into our communities and we have to share the gospel. Hospitality does not mean necessarily that it's happening inside of four walls. It's a condition of the heart and it's a condition of just come. This is for you. This is not just for me. This is the well, the, the lady at the well, this was not just for her. It's just, this is living water that Jesus Christ has provided and died for, for every person. So whatever is um, a barrier, you know, I, I think that we got to get rid of it. Yeah. We got to get rid of it. Yeah. And approach our brothers and sisters with grace. In love. Yeah. In love. Because he loved us first, right? He did. So what do you, what do you want to tell everybody about Jesus? Mm. What did he do for you? Well, I do have to say, one of the things that the Lord has done for me as far as bringing people alongside is, I, just, I really want to just share with you guys that um, first of all, I've said it once, I'll say it again, let's pursue each other. Like, don't leave here tonight. If you need community, don't leave here tonight without telling somebody, like, hey, I'm interested in the small group, or I really need prayer, or, you know, I need a mentor, I need somebody to pray with me. Um, Like, just don't be shy. Just, like, let's just be real and get all that pretenses out of the way and just reach out. Email me. I don't know what my email address is, but I think it's S. <laughs> S. Helma Dollar. Thank you, Caroline. S. Helma Dollar at Shandon.org. Please. Like, and the other thing is, there's people here that's going to be uh, hanging out that they want to pray with you. But if there's, if there's somebody here, if you like, are you ready? Like, I want to like know this Jesus. Don't leave here tonight until you. Make that decision, you know, make that choice to follow him, to to surrender to him. Um, And I have to tell you that one of the most defining moments of my life was when I was on staff at Cedar Crest. Um, George said to me, he asked me to be on the lead team there. And he said, I have been looking, I've I've been praying for a woman of God to be on this lead team. And y'all, it like changed my whole trajectory. It changed. Yeah, your whole life you heard that women just had to sit and be quiet and not cut their hair and yeah. yeah. And and I thought I didn't I didn't know that I would ever be a woman of God. I never thought I could be good enough to be a woman of God. And so edify each other. We have to build each other up. We have to do that. We have to speak truth into each other's lives. Because because he said that to me, it changed everything. It just did. Mm-hmm. 
And then my husband was like, I'm sorry, I never called you that. <laughs> but I bet he does now. He does. Yeah. He realized it really touched you. Yeah. You know, he feels like, yeah. yeah. Oh, y'all, um, let's thank my friend Sarah, my neighbor Sarah. <laughs> My absolute favorite thing about the woman at the well is that she thought she was useless. Hang with me on this. See, she was married five times and living with a new man. So let's be honest, she was not nailing it. And it was at this moment in her life, at this time when she was so broken, that's the moment that Jesus wanted to use her, which says a lot about her and even more about Jesus. Sarah considered herself full of shame. That measure of a good girl was completely unattainable for her, and it wasn't worth the effort. It was her friend that taught her about grace, God's grace. It's hard for us to wrap our head around real forgiveness. It's not something we see here much on earth, but it's the way God designed it. He wants us to live in His grace, in a world of forgiveness, but we need to ask for it. We are each his and can all be a woman of God. Thank you so, so much for listening to this month's The Well podcast. Please come and see us at Shandon Baptist Church for our next Well event. Our schedule is linked on the episode.